Princess. Prince William. Colors. Welcome back, everybody, and also welcome back to us because we haven't been together for the last few months either um, in recording the episode. Nice to see you, Ikra and Chloe. How's your break? Good. Good. <laughs> wow, I guess you didn't get the gift awards from Santa this Christmas. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. We haven't recorded anything together, at least, for a few months now. We had the last episode, which was split into episodes three and four, which we recorded separately. Uh, Ikra and Chloe held the interviews with the students or previous students talking about their experience in Prince William County Schools. And I did the narration or over recording or whatever it's called. But we've been working on this latest episode for the last couple of weeks. And it's something that is pretty close to all of our hearts. And I know that as youth of the county, this applies to you guys exceptionally uh, more than it does to a lot of other people, but something that's that should be on everybody's mind because it's it's the hot subject in Prince William County today, and that is our juvenile detention center. JDC. Exactly, the JDC. So I don't know about you guys, but growing up, I kind of knew where the JDC was located. I think off of 234, kind of where our animal shelter is located, but that's about it. Like, I think there was always jokes made about like, you know, somebody going to juvie or but I, I didn't know many people that went to JD, the JDC. Um, we always used to joke about juvie, but I didn't even know how long people stayed there, what really it entailed, or at least what the facility looked like. I don't think I ever engaged with this topic pretty close up uh, until now. Same for me. Um, I went to like a Title I elementary school for like my first two or three years, Carydale. And <laughs> there's a lot of talk about siblings that went there of my classmates so I knew about the JDC but I didn't really know like exactly where it was but I knew it was like a pretty frequent place for kids in that school to end up at some point. Elementary school? You had those conversations in elementary school? Yeah because it was like a lot of people would be talking about like where their um, older siblings go and things of that nature and then be like oh my my brother or something's at like um the detention center and then it was just like a frequent conversation. Wow. I guess conversations like the one that Chloe was having with her elementary school peers, as wild as it sounds, is not all that crazy because we do live in the United States of America where we've known for a long time that on the national stage there's been a conversation about how we lead industrialized nations when it comes to people in prison. So that's true for adults but also for youth. Thankfully, it seems that the tide has been changing nationally with a study from the Annie E. Casey Foundation saying that in 1999, we had 107,000 youth in prisons. And that number has been drastically reduced to 43,000 in 2017. We also see this trend locally here in Prince William County where the crime incident rate and incarceration rate has been declining over the past 10 years, I believe. Yeah, I think Amy Ashworth, the new Commonwealth attorney, has been leading some of those reforms lately after her election. So even though that there's this declining trend that we're talking about nationally and in Prince William County or Virginia as a whole, um, it seems that criminal justice reform is actually at the forefront of the conversation right now in Prince William County. It kind of came to the forefront this past summer, especially in light of the protests um, that happened as a result of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery's murders. Um, 
And that is about the JDC that is proposed for Prince William County. So that's what our episode is about today. We're talking about this new juvenile detention center that is proposed. And we're gonna have a conversation with a local journalist from Prince William Times, Daniel Birdie, as well as with some local activists from Prince William County Mutual Aid represented by Salima Trees. Before we get into our conversation with Daniel Birdie, which we'll play right after this, here are two quick notes. Number one, on January 5th, this Tuesday, there's a special election in parts of Prince William County and parts of Stafford County. For all of our listeners that live in this area, please make sure you get out there and vote at your regular polling stations. This election is for House of Delegates District 2. It's for the seat that's being left vacant by Delegate, or formerly now, Delegate Jennifer Carroll Foy, who's running for Governor of Virginia. In this election, there's one person that we'd like to put our support behind, and that's Candy Kink, who's running from the Democratic side. Being a progressive podcast, we don't see any other option than to vote for Candy King. So please, get your family, your friends, every single person that you know to join you in voting on January 5th at your regular polling station. Polls should be open from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Again, that's Tuesday, January 5th. The turnout on special elections in this county is absolutely abysmal. So please, don't let another election pass by with a majority of us not voting. January 5th, vote in this election for House of Delegates District 2. The second point is that this conversation is actually being divided into two separate episodes. Episode five, which is our conversation with Daniel Birdie, a journalist from Prince William Times, and then episode six, which will include our conversation with PwC Mutual Aid Representative Salima Dries, as well as Chloe, Ikra, and my thoughts on the topic in general. So we hope you join us for both episodes. Now here's Ikra and me speaking with Daniel Birdie from Prince William Times. Just, just some background, I mean, how long have you been covering Prince William County government? Um, I've been covering Prince William since last uh, July. Um, this is actually my first journalism job. Before that, I was in journalism school and uh, at VCU. Uh, the county itself and, um, and the region are really dynamic in terms of like, there's a lot of change happening. So it's been really fun to cover um, all the, the changes that have been happening there. And, and we do see, I guess, like one of the changes, like jumping into like, you and our detention center, right? So we see um, our facility that's been here for more than 20 years, I believe, or I don't know, don't cite me on that, but um, the chocolate has not been here for more than 20 years, but the old. No, no, you're right. I think, is it what, from 1970s or even, yeah, somewhere around, like even more. So it's funny, you said 20 years, and in my mind, 20 years was like 1980s. And then I'm like, hold up, never mind, we're in 2020, so that would have been 2000, so. Um, I think it was built in 1974 and, um, and uh, it is very old um, and uh, I was unable to take a, a tour of it, but I was able to get a virtual tour in which the superintendent of the JDC actually had his phone out and just walked me through um, the, the facility and it is, um, it looks uh, really rough. I mean, it is like, um, and, and it looks like a jail because that's, that's the way that they at, during that time, essentially a, a juvenile detention center was just like a mini adult jail. So it is very gray. There's not a lot of windows. Um, and actually it was uh, the day that I got this virtual tour was, um, it was raining outside really, really hard. And, and there's like leaks everywhere in this building. And so he was like looking at the few, you know, they had sandbags piled up against all the doors because there was water coming in. So it's definitely in uh, an old facility that um, and and what the county will tell you is you know 
it needs to be replaced because it's just falling apart, frankly. Uh, if you look back at the planning study that was done um, in like 2017 at Fort, as they were trying to figure out, you know, if they needed a new facility, um, it says in there, you know, basically we need this because this model is outdated and this facility is just too old. And um, so that's that's like the county's sort of, uh, the county government's kind of um, line on, on why this is needed. Have you gotten any answers? I know one of the big questions that we've had um, come up for you as well as something that like some of the advocates, like whether it's Rise Up or whether it's repeatedly mutual aid, bringing up is the size of this facility, right? And so we know that the current facility houses, you know, like is what, 25% or less than that capacity at any given point, like even at a high moment and getting lower, you know, every single month almost. Um, what about staff that's there? Um, that houses it. Have you looked into that at all? Um, well, so, uh, and just real quick to go to your first part of that question. Um, uh, so I think that is like the big debate that's gonna come up on the board is how big does this need to be, uh, the new one? Um, it, I don't think that the board at this point has really considered uh, not, you know, not moving forward with some kind of new facility where I know a lot of activists in the county are, are pushing for no, you know, they don't want any facility at all to be built because it's, it's very expensive. Um, and uh, they don't want, you know, county dollars and county taxpayer money to be going towards something like this when obviously there's a lot of schools that are, you know, falling apart too. Um, but um, so yeah, the big debate I think coming up is, um, you know, the new facility has been approved for up to 48 beds, um, but in the last year, uh, the, um, and actually the last couple of years, the, the number of kids being actually held in the JDC, the current JDC has fallen really drastically. So um, I think the last I heard was um, at the beginning of November, there were 13 kids being held there. And so, um, you know, that is probably something that's going to come up is, you know, there are fewer kids being held as a result of like uh, new juvenile justice policies in Virginia, but also in Prince William County with the new Commonwealth attorney, um, Amy Ashworth, who's put in some new policies that um, are part of the reason why the, the numbers are so low. Um, so I think that's probably gonna come up. I know Supervisor Kenny Bodie and I believe Supervisor Margaret An Angela uh, Franklin have both said that you know that's something that they're going to probably have to consider um, next year whenever it comes back before the board. Um, and then your second question um, about the staff of the JDC. I don't know a whole lot about, you know, the, the uh, overarching like structure of like the staff there, but I do know that there are 56 staff members that work at the JDC and that's, you know, uh, just runs the mill of like, there's a counselor there, there's, you know, maintenance, there's whatever, you know, superintendent, administrator, staff, et cetera. So there's 56 staff. Um, and, uh, and, you know, um, very small number of, of uh, kids actually being held in there at this point. You know, that's kind of interesting. Like you mentioned, there's 56 staff and like the numbers are like 13 to 20. And then I was reading up on the report. The reason they also mentioned it's like uh, having more trauma-informed care. Can you speak more on like that aspect of it? Like what are the thinking in regards to that? Yeah, um, so yeah, right. So the trauma-informed um, model um, that they're using. Um, basically, uh, in a nutshell, it's kind of like you're going to have more open space. Um, it's going to look less like an adult jail. So um, I was told that that means there's going to be more windows. 
you know, and um, there's going to be uh, more like natural light coming in. Um, they also said uh, that it will entail, you know, painting the walls with like pastel colors and earth tones, which um, I don't know what you would say about that. But, um, you know, uh, so there is this kind of like, um, you know, this model, the Missouri model that they're that they're supposedly basing this off of um, that is um, kind of leaning towards trauma-informed care and, and more like counseling and more one-on-one -on -one time with um, the kids who end up in there. That received some pushback from the DJJ board um, in September. Um, when, the, when this project went before the DJJ board, actually uh, one of the members of the board, two of the members of the board, um, both kind of raised really some pretty heavy objections to the term trauma-informed and that kind of they were they were kind of saying that you know you're trying to sell us on on this like nice this nicer um, detention center um, for kids um, it's really but they're saying you know this is really just a jail and you're just kind of dressing it up and one of the the, the members of the board um, Norfolk's Commonwealth attorney Greg Underwood said uh, I think he said it's like putting lipstick on a pig and uh, so both of those um, both him and uh, the superintendent of Stafford County Schools, uh, they both voted against this project and, and they did have some big objections to um, the trauma-informed, you know, sort of uh, model that, that the county is, you know, wants to use for this, for this project. Um, we keep talking about the low number of kids that are in there, but like who actually is in there? Like, so what who decides at what point who goes to the JDC? I understand from my limited uh, reading, it is a limited amount of time that they're there. So it's not, it's not serving what we would imagine in prison, a sentence. What happens to them before that causes them to get there? And then what happens afterwards, if, if you know from, from your research? Sure. Um, so I believe at, at, you know, right now, um, the, the kids who are in there are usually um, kids who have committed um, crimes that are really bad. I mean, like things that, you know, um, uh, I don't think at this point, um, given what I've heard from the Commonwealth's attorney, that if uh, there, this isn't like for just petty, um, small crimes, um, usually it's for more <clears throat> serious crimes. Um, one other interesting thing that I learned, and, and this is, um, I don't know like the correct terminology for this, but part of the reason, or part of the, the people who are in the JDC, like right now, <clears throat> or at any given time, are um, uh, kids who are coming back from serving in like a state, uh, um, a state juvenile prison setting. And they're being transferred back into um, somewhere closer to their home. So Prince William is participating in this pilot um, and it has been, I think for the several years now where they have eight juvenile beds um, reserved for kids who are coming back from um, state you know, a state juvenile prison environment and they're gonna go, you know, and they wanna bring them back closer to home. So they're gonna stay in the JDC in Prince William for like, uh, you know, up to like six months or something, I think. Um, so I know they have eight beds reserved for that. So um, when I said that 13 number, for instance, um, that 13, uh, some of those kids are ones who've come from uh, a, state, um, a state juvenile detention facility that live in the Northern Virginia region who are gonna be finishing their sentence soon. So that's part of the, the um, kind of puzzle of this whole thing is that 
you do have these beds that are that are reserved for them. And um, I think in the they're going to continue this program. And um, so I know that's one consideration of the the new JDC is like, do we expand the number of beds that we're going to use for those kids, you know, more than eight. Do you know if there's an, a renewed focus on perhaps having some of those people that would be, you know, formally charged and, 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 and sent to a facility to instead be sent to these, this, this trauma center, if you will, as opposed to going to a state-run facility? Or is that something that's not even, that can't be on the books because it has to be on the state level? Yeah, no. I'm not actually sure. So um, I think it is, I think it does kind of function in um, the way that the adult kind of like jail and prison, you know, um, system works where like um, the JDC is for like, um, you know, I guess maybe more short term. Uh, and then, um, you know, if you've got like a longer sentence, then you're going to go to the state, um, the state facility, which is farther away. Um, I know they're trying to basically there's like this big push in Virginia to shift away from that because they're, they're trying to basically keep those kids who are in um, who have been charged with something, you know, severe and are going to go to um, a detention facility. They want to keep them closer to where they live. Who drew up this plan? Um, so if the board is going to debate it later on, right? And if, if we have Margaret Franklin and, and Kenny Bodie that are saying perhaps that they're going to, you know, they're not necessarily 100% in favor of this kind of a facility and would be refreshed. Where did it come from then? Oh, so yeah, this is, uh, and I should have, I should have just uh, mentioned this in the, at the outset, but this yeah. isn't their project. I mean, this, um, this is from the past, the previous board. Um, and I believe this project got started in like 2016 or 2017. Um, and, and was a priority of the old board. Um, so this, like, like many of the projects that are coming up before the board now, this has, um, these are projects and this project included something that they had nothing to do with beginning this this project um so um this they came in when this project was sort of like halfway done we're like wow and so big shift that obviously happened i mean the biggest one being that our even the board's priorities shifted in a lot of ways party wise and and across the county as you were saying the commonwealth attorney um also changing um do we know if this is a partisan issue at all have we heard anything from i mean Margaret Franklin and Kenny Bodie tend to be a little bit more, I mean, you wrote recently about him being sort of a swing vote in some some of the landform cases, but we know that Margaret Franklin has a, you know, has a pretty progressive agenda as far as some of the things that she's brought forth so far. Um, is this something that we've talked to any of the Republicans on the board about? Um, I have not. Um, the whole board was in favor of approving this project moving it along in it came before the board in July and there was really no discussion of of whether the project was actually needed um, or um, really any discussion at all except for that the old uh, J the current JDC is really out of date and looks like an adult jail and is um, frankly just kind of um, you know there's some issues with the facility itself and that that was spoken of uh, a little bit during that meeting but it got maybe a few minutes of discussion um, before the entire board unanim unanimously approved it to go to the DJJ for further consideration. So there really has not been any um, discussion on the board, like in board chambers, you know, during a meeting about this project at all uh, amongst the new board. Um, so as far as I know, um, pretty much, uh, you know, based on that, everyone on the board is in, is in support of this um, project.
And so just the following the pathway a little bit about the process. So starting from the old board, came forward for a, I guess, just to maybe like a little check or whatever, and then went to the Department of Juvenile Justice. They narrowly vote it on. Now, because it's partly state funded or is being requested to be partly state funded, it goes to the assembly. Yes. And they have a say on the actual, like, can they, can they just deny it outright or pass recommendations or what do we expect to happen at the next phase? Um, so, yeah. And so basically what happened was the DJJ um, approved the project to receive up to, I think, 50% state funding for this 48 bed um, facility. And, um, and, uh, and I should also mention really quickly that um, not only is the proposal for the detention center, but also the Molinari shelter would be co-located. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to add that in there because I think it's an important um, piece of that, um, that the Molinari shelter would also be on this kind of campus. And that's for kids that are, it's non-secure detention. It's for like um, kids that are, you know, maybe experiencing some kind of um, um, issues at home and, and need a place to stay. Um, yeah, um, the DJJ board said, uh, um, you know, approved it for up to 50% funding um, from the state. And then I guess, you know, from what I understand, the Virginia General Assembly will then um, include that uh, in their budget next year, or, you know, it has to be approved by them in their budget, the Virginia state budget, that they're going to mm -hmm. provide 50% funding for this project. Absolutely. Next step. Yeah, and so I think that's that's probably why we're seeing a little bit more of a rise of people speaking in opposition. I mean, there hasn't been necessarily a rise in people speaking more in support of it than they already were, but definitely in opposition, at least from what we're seeing. Um, and you've spoken to obviously rise up as well as um, mutual aid in, in from your articles. Uh, last point on this is I know that there was some data that you had shared in a couple of your articles, whether that was bed capacity. Um, I think in some previous articles, perhaps that I'd read, maybe there was a racial uh, makeup of the uh, occupants of the facility as well. And I'm guessing you were, you filed a FOIA for that information to be able to get it, or is it publicly available um, already? It is publicly available um, only through a, um, it was included in a presentation that was given to the board. Um, and I think that was actually in that July meeting where uh, they, the county's um, Department of Social Services gave a presentation on the project and included the um, demographic data. And so I think, yeah, it was something like, um, you know, over the last few years, I think it's like 80% of the, I don't wanna, well, I don't wanna say the, the wrong number, but sure. it's around like 70 to 80%, yeah. I have the thing on and it's just says, African-Americans are 43.5% while white is white um, population is 13% of the JDC. Yeah. yeah, it's just interesting. I guess the reason I was asking about the data and the availability of it is because whether we're speaking about schools, whether we're talking about any of this stuff, there's so much data that, you know, we've, we've requested some from the school board uh, or from the, from the district um, with regards to some school related things that are not publicly available. And it, it makes you, it, it, at least for us, it, it, the people that are even trying to look into these things, not having publicly available data or not having it in an easy, accessible way leads to uninformed masses you know, that are expected to show up to public comment time or citizen comment time. And so the only people you end up having speaking about this or, or expressing an opinion are those who feel knowledgeable enough to even speak, which means that they're in some spaces or some circles that are privileging them enough 
with that information. Um, so that that was my basis of um, you know asking about that, and, and I guess hopefully that's something that we'll continue to advocate for is you know more accessibility to data for you know especially um, public funds like this. For me, it'd be amazing to have better you know if there was some kind of you know more efficient system for um, how the, this information could be obtained. That would be just like amazing. So that was our interview with Daniel Birdie, and we're really grateful to him for the wealth of knowledge that he shared with us about the JDC. I know it's a lot more than I knew, so hopefully you learned a couple things here and there as well. Continue on to episode six for our conversation with Salima Dries from Prince William County Mutual Aid, and for our thoughts about all that we've heard from Salima and from Daniel.